0: Forbes books presents the sky's the limit with host D Brown, the president and CEO of the P three group, the nation's largest minority public private partnership, real estate developer. Here's D. Thanks for joining me for the conclusion of my talk with C David Moody, Jr. David in part one, we talked about how you have built one of the largest African-American owned construction companies in America thanks to your involvement in projects like Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the Ray Charles Performing Arts Center. And now I wanna shift over to your philanthropic efforts. You founded the C.D. Moody Foundation to provide assistance to students who want to venture into construction and entrepreneurship. And so far you've awarded over 80 scholarships. Can you tell me more about it?
1: Yeah, and and that's changed over time. Uh, When we started that, I think we started in 1990, because I said, if I, I want to get in the habit of giving when I have nothing, so if I ever make any money, it's a habit, it's, it's in my heart. Yeah. Uh, but over time, my wife and I have endowed scholarships at Morehouse, Howard, Georgia uh, State Perimeter where my wife went to nursing school, and we give them to Boy Scouting and different stuff because I found it easier because uh, it was starting to become a chore trying to read my mother used to handle it. My mother passed away, her and my dad both passed away in 2019, but it was becoming kind of tough to read all the applications, make a decision, uh, then dealing with is a nonprofit taxes and all that. So we just decided it's, it's better to just endow scholarships and let the people who really know how to manage that do it.
0: Right. Either way, it's, it's really great work. Uh, that's a big initiative of mine. So it's trying to ensure that more young African-American kids get an opportunity to attend uh, HBCUs and further their education. And so uh, when I read about your um, your foundation, and, I, and I've also read about your endowments, uh, that's something that really uh, hit close to home with me uh, because I feel that uh, as we continue to be successful, it's important that we, we remember to give back and help others uh, along the way. You, uh, you also run a, a blog in yep. uh, MoodySpeaks.com. Yes. And so I would, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, your blog. And I know you created it as a resource for victims of sexual um, abuse. And I also know you have a goal to build an advocacy center to help treat victims of childhood sexual abuse, especially those who are now in adulthood but struggling uh, from the trauma. And obviously uh, you know, we know each other and I follow you on LinkedIn. And I see you often talk uh, openly and candidly about uh, your childhood sexual abuse. Uh, and so I wanted to touch on this subject because I know that we probably have listeners who have suffered from similar situations who may or may have in the past suffered from the trauma of that abuse. And I think hearing from someone of your caliber who have overcome uh, all the trauma become successful may actually help them. And so would you kind of share it with me, your goals, uh, in running your blog and opening this advocacy center?
1: Well, uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Uh, I didn't start speaking publicly to 2012, but what happened, you know, I came along in time period. You just, you didn't talk about it. You just buried it, but little did I know what it was doing to me to bury such a trauma Uh, to the point that in 1992, our business was four years old. We were winning all kinds of awards and things were really going well. And my wife learned someone close to her had been sexually abused as a child. And I just blurted it out that it happened to me. And I thought it was okay, but within a few months I started having panic attacks really bad. And to the point I had a complete nervous breakdown, but I couldn't tell anyone. I had to suffer in silence and I had to try and keep running my business. And that's another one of those moments where I know there is a God because I should have been in the hospital getting help, but I was able to keep working, but I was a basket case emotionally and I suffered in silence. And 30 years after that in 2012, I finally decided And actually, it was the Jerry Sandusky situation at Penn State that made me start speaking up. Because I went, nobody should have to suffer in silence anymore. And it's not for everybody to speak up who's a survivor, but I just felt it was something I needed to do. And I started a website called MoodySpeaks.com. This is a place for survivors of childhood sexual abuse can go and get information, read positive stories. From other survivors. There's an estimated 42 million survivors just in the United States. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. one in ten children before the age of 18 will be sexually abused. And 90% of predators is someone in the family or close to the family. I was sexually abused by a male babysitter, the older, the oldest son of our regular babysitter, he was 18. Um, so you know that the trauma's real but I also try and help others realize we can turn trauma into triumph.
0: Right. And I
1: wrote a book called Fighting Through the Fear, my journey of healing from childhood sexual abuse. And it's it's a book, it's really my life story. It talks about being an entrepreneur. I talk very little about the actual sexual abuse, maybe a paragraph or so, but I talk more Ooh. about my journey through college life, a lot of funny stories, uh, serious stories, being an entrepreneur. So often, when you're going through something like this, you think you're, you feel like you're alone. And I just want other people to realize they're okay and they're not alone. And we're much stronger than we realize because we all have a story of some sort and we will all be knocked to our knees, but we can uh, definitely get up and we're all stronger than we realize.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, your courage and your strength, I think really mean a lot to so many of these uh, individuals that have suffered uh, similar abuse. Uh, On your blog, you have a post titled Top 16 Things I've Learned About Life and Entrepreneurship. One of the things you focus on is fear and self-doubt. The entrepreneur failure rate is about 90% and that breeds a lot of fear and self-doubt. What advice can you give our listeners that may be thinking about becoming entrepreneurs or who may have failed or are currently struggling uh, in their businesses?
1: Well, you know, I think the biggest advice I can give anyone and it's not easy, you know, especially if you, if you have a family, you know, you don't want to let anyone down And the fear that I'm talking about is that imaginary fear we all have about, if I don't make it, people are going to laugh at me. I'm a failure, you know, the whole nine yards. So I really try and just tell people, if you truly believe in your dream that you're going for, you got to be willing to suffer through those tough times. And there's a point when to say it's not going to work. You know, everybody has to find that spot. But you got to be willing to keep just chugging along and really try and be good at what you do and try your best to still enjoy the rest of your life. But I think the biggest thing I learned is be present. And what I mean by that, when you're with your family, loved ones, friends, whatever, so often in my life, when I look back, I was physically present, but I wasn't mentally present often because I was thinking about either a problem on a project or where's the next job going to come from Would i be able to feed my family. Then after 92, I was dealing with anxiety, so I'd be hoping pe- hope I didn't have a panic attack in front of people and, you know, so it was just so many things and finally. You know I went and got trauma therapy which was very very helpful and did cognitive behavior therapy. And so I share all these things because, you know, I'm 65 now. I'm a young 65 and I always tell people I will age but I'll never get old. But
0: right. I look
1: back and I just realized how many times I was thinking about the business or certain things when I should have been present and, and and enjoyed the moment that I was in. So That's the one thing I hope people will take from this is be present and enjoy the moment.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I think when you get ready to venture into entrepreneurship, uh, you you always have naysayers and family members or friends who think that you've lost your mind. And I think uh, most of us who have taken that journey uh, have experienced that those conversations. Right. Why would you do this instead of, you know, something that's more secure? And so it's just really, hey, entrepreneurs, like you say, small businesses, uh, you know, are the backbone of this, um, this country, job creation, stimulating the, um, the economy, we have to take those risks so um, having someone like you to to speak on that I think is very important I think a lot of young people, as well as older people that are listening who would like to become entrepreneurs or who may be thinking about giving up, I think they'll gain some motivation from that. Well,
1: you know, the other thing I always remind people, I didn't know how we were going to pay our house notes sometime. I mean, it was, it was tough. And I had two young kids. I mean, I would, while they were asleep, my wife was asleep. Cause I, I didn't want her to worry. I'd pace the floor at four in the morning and, you know, wonder how we're going to make ends meet. And, and it was, it was rough, but, i just couldn't quit and that is when that self-doubt comes in and you start worrying about man people gonna laugh at me and all kind of stuff and you can't let that trickster part of the brain mess with you you know that's the part of the brain that really tries the that self-doubt and all you know very few entrepreneurs do you not hear those kind of stories
0: right that's right we've all heard them before. We've all lived it before. Yeah. The African-American Male Wellness Agency named you as an honorary chair for the city of Atlanta. Uh, what did that mean to you?
1: That meant a lot to me because I think, personally, we as in the Black community, we got to take our health more serious, especially mental health. You know, we, we make mental health feel like you crazy, but anxiety, panic attacks, that's mental health. And right. so many of right. us will turn to alcohol or or drugs to ease that pain or calm down that anxiety because we look at therapy as something bad. And, and that's the other reason I speak out. I'm not ashamed of it. And I want to help as many people as possible. But also our blood pressure, you know, checking those things, especially black men with prostate cancer. I mean, I got right. two friends who in the last two years had prostate cancer surgery and you know their PSA scores. And there are certain health things that we have to monitor that's different than right. um, it is for white Americans or just white people in general. A good example, my buddy, one of my buddy who has uh, prostate cancer, he, he lives out west in, in a predominantly white area and went to a white doctor. and he didn't think his PSA was high because that's not high in the uh, white community. So they stopped doing because there was a time where they stopped recommending the PSA test. Well, for black men, that really wasn't too smart. So his number went like from two and then 10 years went by before they took it again because I told him, I said, man, you need to get your PSA test, man. Don't play with mm-hmm. that one. He told me and found out it was a six something. So. And when they did the test, he had prostate cancer.
0: Wow, unbelievable.
1: So he went 10 years without a PSA test from basically 54 to 64.
0: Yeah, we we really have to be very vocal, I think, with our friends and employees and associates and really advocate for, you know, regular uh, checkups, right? Making sure that we're being that we're seeing about our our health. Like you right. said, whether it's mental, physical. Uh, most of the issues that I've seen, uh, at least my friends who've passed or become very ill, most of the things that they fell victim to would have been preventable had it just been detected early, right? Had, right. They were having routine annual or semi-annual uh, checkups. So that's a big thing for me. Um, and I try to push my employees and my uh, my kids and, and other family members and friends to say, listen. We have to take care of our health because that's that's a big risk for us, you know, in the African American communities. Yep. I want to close out by talking to you about um uh, Black Enterprise magazine. Your company has been listed uh as the top one hundred largest black owned companies in the country for uh some time now. And so yeah. you've obviously been very, very successful. What do you want your legacy to be?
1: Wow, you know couple things. I want my legacy to be that I helped as many people as I could. I was always stood on the side of truth and fairness and honesty. And I was a hell of a builder. And to me, I'm just really getting started because six months ago, I started my cognitive behavioral therapy and finished about two months ago. So I'm getting ready to run my business for the first time where anxiety from my childhood trauma is not consuming me you know i've always right. kind of had that fear of failure and what would people think and it was more so because of what i had been through and also I, i've let people in a position of power such as a client or architect as they can make a final decision i let them get away with things i shouldn't have but because of my childhood trauma I was apt to people and perceive power to acquiesce or if I did finally stand up, I felt like what what I must have did something wrong for them to want to do this to me or treat me this way. And all that comes from my childhood trauma. So you also, hmm. to me, in life as you age, you really got to be deal with things that trigger you from your past and understand why do you get upset or why do you cower or why do you give in or quit certain things that you normally don't do in other times. So I think it's important that we all have to kind of look at how our life impacts us as adults. We have a habit of saying children are resilient, which is true, but we forget we become adults and all that comes with us because now we have a whole new set of pressures as adults.
0: Right, right. Well, David, I I think history will judge you very, very Clearly, that you are a great builder. You have built quite a legacy for you and your family, one that uh, they, that you and your family should be very proud of. One that, as an African American uh, business owner in um, in the industry, I'm I'm very proud of you as well. And I'm I'm happy to know you, and I I look forward to to you coming down to uh, Florida to hang out on the yacht with me. I appreciate your time and your willingness to be on on, on my show, man. It mean it means a lot to me. And hopefully we'll get a chance to build some things together soon.
1: Yes, we will. But I, and I'm i very proud of you because you take a risk. Even You know, it's funny. I don't have the risk that you take as a developer. I just, I mean, it's <laughs> funny. Even though I take risks every day as a builder, right?
0: Right. But right.
1: I've just never felt that developer confidence. Like, I got to raise the money. I got to take the financial risk. And then I got to right. whole that my building either leases or sales and that's so that's what i'm saying we all have the things that we're comfortable with that other people are uncomfortable doing so it's right. right. kind of interesting watching what you've done and for a person of color to be doing what you're doing because there's only a handful doing what you're doing especially at the level you're doing i commend you
0: thank you i, I really appreciate it and i know soon we'll find opportunities to uh collaborate uh, like I said, you've done a, a great job, very impressive uh, background. And I, I, like I said at the beginning of the um, show, I love the story. Uh, you know, I came from very uh, humble beginnings as well. Uh, so anytime I see, you know, a fellow uh, African American businessman that pulled himself up by, by his bootstraps and made a way uh, for himself and the family, and then leaving a legacy behind, uh, you know, it means a lot to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to know you. Hey, I'm proud of you and thank you so much for having me on the show and keep doing what you're doing. And that's it for this episode of The Sky's the Limit. If you enjoy the show, make sure that you take a second to subscribe so that you get my new shows when they drop. Also, if you have a minute, I would love for you to leave a review so more people like yourself can discover the show. I'll see you next time. This has been The Sky's the Limit with Dee Brown. To find out more about Dee, go to dbrownceo.com. And to connect with the P3 Group, check out thep3groupinc.com. The Sky's the Limit is a production of Forbes Books.